Thank you so much for joining us for Ankeny Gospel Church Podcast. On this podcast, you can find sermons, classes, and other resources that continue to invite us into the mission of Jesus and the journey of faith. We hope this is a blessing to you, and if we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Let's give them a hand. Good job. Well done. Well done. And if they can memorize scripture, you can memorize scripture. (laughs) Don't believe the lie that just because, you know, you're old, well, older, you can't memorize (laughs) scripture. I love that. Um, I love that we're committing uh, scripture to memory. If you remember in Philippians last fall, they came up and they did uh, Philippians 2, the Christ hymn as well. So um, let's continue this posture of worship, of praying and singing Psalm 23, of hearing the Beatitudes read over us uh, in prayer. So if you would, let's, let's join together in prayer. Our Father, your ways are higher than our ways, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Holy Spirit, right now, in the silence, we know that you are here. You are with us. You are guiding us. You are before us. You are behind us. You are in our relationships, in our conversations. You're you're right here with us. So Jesus, give us eyes to see you. Give us a heart that longs for you. Give us ears to hear your still, small voice, your silent voice that you whisper to us, drawing us closer to you. Father, give us the courage to obey you, to take you at your word, to do what you say to do. Father, today we want to seek your presence We want to seek your face continually. Father, we want to be formed more and more and conformed into the image of your son, Jesus. We want to become a person of love. And Lord, we ask that as we are sent out today that we would continue to live on mission for the renewal of our relationships, of our communities, and of our city and of the world. Lord, you've you've showed us who you are in scripture, in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, eyes. So, Lord, reveal yourself afresh to us again this morning, we pray. And we pray all these things in your Son's name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Here's the gist of the sermon today. You ready? The gist of the sermon. If you get this, then you can just stand up, walk away, go home. Jesus means absolutely nothing unless he means absolutely everything. Jesus is a terrible negotiator, right? Jesus is a terrible negotiator. He doesn't want part of your life. He wants all of your life. Jesus means absolutely nothing unless he means absolutely everything. You know that Christianity is actually designed to work at a radical level? It doesn't work if you just haphazardly follow Jesus. It doesn't work. If we don't take Jesus seriously, take him at his word and do what he says, then, then we are not in the kingdom of, of, of heaven. Do you ever look at people in the Bible, like characters in the Bible, like Abraham, Isaac, Adam and Eve, Moses, David, the prophets, Elijah, Elisha, 
Isaiah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all, all the prophets of the Old Testament. You look at the disciples in the New Testament. Peter, James, John, the sons of thunder. You look at Paul. You look at the women who supported Jesus' ministry. You look at Mary Magdalene who had seven demons cast out. Do you ever look at the people in the Bible? You look at their encounters with Jesus. You look at their boldness, their audacity, their zeal, the fire in their eyes. You look at their contentment in hard situations. Think of Paul in prison praising Jesus. You look at their peace, their steadiness. You look at their gifts their giftings, their spirit-infused power, and you read stuff like in Romans, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in me. You read stuff like you're a temple of the living God. You are the presence of the living God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You read stuff like God will supply all your needs in his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You read stuff like Paul saying, take captive every thought, every single thought. Take it captive, make it obedient to Christ. You read stuff like love the Lord your God with everything in you. Do you ever look at the characters in the Bible, at that in the Bible, the people in the Bible, and then you look at your own life? There's a gap. You look at your own life and your struggle with fill in the sin of your choice. You look at your own life and your struggle with assurance of salvation, your own life and your struggle to find peace, your own life and your struggle to pray every day, to read our Bible every day. We look at our own lives and we look at our struggle to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That seems radical. I can't do that. You ever notice that gap? I've noticed it in my life. When we notice that gap between the bold, audacious claims of Scripture and the lived reality and experience of our own life, we do one of three things. We either justify it, right? Oh, well that, you know, God doesn't speak like that to people anymore. That was then, that was in Bible times. But this is, you know, this is now. Or we say things like, we say things like, oh, well, well, uh, uh, demon possession and, and diseases were a lot more prevalent back then. And so even though Jesus promises that we have the power to cast out demons and to heal, because of Western medicine, we don't really need to do that and live into that anymore. We read things like pray without ceasing and we're like, well, yeah, but Paul was like, he was like top tier Christian. So like that's like his thing. Plus he was in prison for a long time so he had enough time to pray. I've got a busy life so I can't pray without ceasing. We look at the boldness that they had in sharing the gospel, fearless, abandoned. And we say things like, oh, well, nobody in the world then knew about Jesus so they like had to like get it going whereas everybody knows about Jesus now so like, I don't want to impede on anybody else's. I don't want to assume that they don't know something. We make excuses. We justify that gap in our lives from the bold claims of Scripture to the lived reality in our own lives today. Second thing we can do is we can ignore it. We, can, we are really good at tricking ourselves. The Enlightenment convinces us that logic is like, you know, perfect and like is we're, we're more reasonable than we think we are. We are far less logical and reasonable than we think we are. We can trick ourselves all the time. You can read the entire narrative of scripture from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation and think that God doesn't expect and equip his people now to do what he did then. God wants to do everything that's in here in our lives, Christ in us, the hope of glory. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, resurrection power is now in us, but we can ignore it. We can justify it, we can ignore it, and then the third, which is what I'm tempted to do all the time, is we can, that gap between the lived reality, or the, 
the audacious claims of scripture and the lived reality and experience of my own life, we can fill it with religious stuff, religious goods and services. Just do more. Just have another event, another program. Plant a church. Just go to more services. Join a small group. We just fill it with religious stuff. Do another book study. Go to another Bible study. I tell you what, if content was all it took to look like Jesus, then we would look like Jesus. But it doesn't take just content and religious stuff to look like Jesus. How do we fill the gap between the the, the life that's described in the Sermon on the Mount, the fruit of the Spirit, how do we fill the gap between that and the lived experience in our own lives? It comes down to one word. Ready? Obedience. How do we close the gap between what Jesus has promised, living like a disciple, living like Jesus, and our own lives today? Obedience. Obedience. You know what the devil isn't threatened by? You know what the world isn't threatened by? You know what Ankeny isn't threatened by? A casual Christianity. A Christianity that just lets us do whatever we want on Sunday mornings, as long as we don't hurt anybody else, as long as we don't impede on anybody else's schedule, as long as we don't do whatever. But that's not the life that Jesus calls us to. Jesus wasn't crucified for being nice. You ever realize that? Jesus wasn't crucified for being nice. He was crucified because of the way he lived and what he said and his obedience to the Father threatened the powers and principalities of darkness in his present age. And where do we live today? We live under the powers and principalities of darkness in our present age. If you have not encountered criticism, persecution, pushback for your life in Christ, then one of two things is true. Either everybody you've met ever is a Christian and loves Jesus with the same zeal that you do, or you are not fully living in the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus has some terrifying words for us. Terrifying words for us. And I know this is an intense way to start a sermon, but Jesus' words at the end of the Sermon on the Mount are more intense. How do we close the gap? We close the gap by obeying Jesus. We're finishing up the Sermon on the Mount. If you haven't already, I invite you to take your copy of the scriptures and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. The Greek word that is used here for obey or for do is this word poieo, and it should be on the screen. That's what it looks like in Greek on the left. And it means this, to do, to act, to create, to obey. Here's how I know. I'm, I'm proving a point here. Here's how I know that the one thing it takes to close the gap is obedience, is because Jesus uses this word 11 times in the last 12 verses of the Sermon on the Mount. 11 times in the last 12 verses on the Sermon on the Mount. Here's a few examples. This will be, these will all be on this, the screen behind me. Chapter 7, verse 12. This is the word poieo, to do, to act, to obey. Therefore, this is the golden rule. Whatever you want others to do for you, right? This makes sense, to do for you. Do also the same for them, poieo. Next slide. In the same way, this is interesting, this is the same word, every good tree that produces, that does, that acts, that poieto, good fruit, but a bad tree produces, it does, it acts, it whatever, bad fruit. Verse 18, a good tree cannot produce poieto, bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Verse 19, every tree that is cut, every tree that doesn't do good fruit. It doesn't produce good fruit. It doesn't act good fruit. It doesn't poieto good fruit. It is cut down 
and thrown into the fire. Do you think Jesus thinks that obedience and doing stuff is important? Yes. Next slide. Not everyone, this is terrifying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does. Does more religious stuff? Casts out demons? No, no, no. Does the will of my Father, who poieto, who acts, who obeys, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't we do, poieto, many miracles in your name? And then he says, depart from me, you lawbreakers. I never knew you. Today's passage, verse 24. Therefore, everyone, this is Jesus summarizing the entire Sermon on the Mount. Everyone who hears these words, these words being the Sermon on the Mount, of mine and does them, acts on them, obeys them, poieto them, will be like what? You'll be, you'll be well off. You'll be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains fell, the rivers rose. By the way, do you guys know that little uh, Sunday school song? I asked Tori to do it today. The, the wise man built his house. I'm just kidding. Anybody, just me? This is, okay, thank you. A few of you know that song. So it, it's, it's a cute song. It's a terrifying verse. The rains fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, they pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Verse 26, again up on the slide. But everybody who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them, doesn't act on them, doesn't poieto them. Do you think that Jesus wants us to do what he says? Do you think that Jesus wants us to act on what he says? Do you think that Jesus wants us to obey what he says? Or do you think that Jesus wants to justify it? Well, Jesus says give to the poor, but they probably got there for their own, from their own decisions, so, you know, I don't want to enable them. No. Well, Jesus says to fast, but that was like then, and that's like for really pious people. I don't, you know, I, I'm hungry. Jesus says to pray in your inner room, in the closet. Close the door behind you. You going to do it? The rain fell. The rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. End of the Sermon on the Mount. If you were Jesus' PR person, you would be like, hey, dude, can you like have like a application or something? Can you have like a little twist so it's not? He just says, whatever. If you don't do what I say, you're a fool. And when any circumstance in life comes your way that is a little bit hard, you're done for. This is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. It's a really long quote, but it's super good. And I realize I don't have it on my iPad, so I'm gonna have to read the screen. We have listened to the Sermon on the Mount, and perhaps we have understood it, but who has heard it aright? Jesus gives the answer at the end. He does not allow his hearers to go away and make of his sayings what they will, picking and choosing from them whatever they find helpful and testing them to see if they work. He doesn't allow that. He does not give them free reign to misuse his words with their mercenary hands, but he gives it to them on condition that it retains exclusive power over them. Humanly speaking, we could understand and interpret the sermon in a thousand different ways. Jesus knows only one possibility. Here it is, simple surrender and obedience. I love this, not interpreting it or analyzing it, but doing it and obeying it. Next slide. That is the only way 
to hear his word. But again, he does not mean that it's used to be discussed as an ideal. He really means us to get on with it. We love to, I love to dissect and analyze a text. You guys probably know that from my preaching. I love it. And if it ends there, it is useless. Jesus doesn't mean for us to just keep reading, just to keep analyzing, to keep saying, oh, that's really cool and insightful and leave and not have our lives changed. He wants us to obey him. He wants us to be a good tree that produces, that does, that poieto, good fruit. He wants us to be a wise man who hears the words of Jesus and actually does them. Guys, I want the Sermon of the Mount to be true of my life. I want the fruit of the Spirit to be true of my life. I want to be able to say with Paul that Christ is in me, the hope of glory, and no matter what comes my way, I have a peace that surpasses understanding. I want to be able to read the New Testament and be like, yeah, that's, that's true of my life. How do we get there? Do what Jesus says. Take Jesus seriously. Obey Jesus. Now, quick context. Who is Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount to? His disciples, right? His disciples, which means this is not obedience to Jesus is not possible if you're not a disciple. It's not directed at you if you're not a disciple. If you're not a follower of Jesus, your call is to repent and believe the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus is, is shaking the, the world of its power. He wants to save you from sin, Satan, death, and hell. He wants to save you from that. So if you're not a disciple, your call is repent and believe. If you are a disciple, your call is obey. Listen to the Sermon on the Mount. Do what Jesus says. Now, look at verse 24 again. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, these words, what is these words referring to? These words... But Jesus is saying, he's like, hey, if you hear these words, he's referring to the entire Sermon on the Mount. Now, we have been in Matthew since January. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount, I counted it, since March. We've had 17 sermons on the Sermon on the Mount. It doesn't, it's not, you know, beyond me to think that we've forgotten what the Sermon on the Mount says. You know, like we did the Beatitudes back in March. That was, a, that was 19 weeks ago, because so we had two weeks for Easter and Palm Sunday, whatever. So we did this in Philippians, and I actually had really good uh, feedback from it. And what we're going to do now is I'm just going to read through the entire Sermon on the Mount. It takes about 13 to 15 minutes. Here's a few things. What this is not is it, it's not when that substitute teacher comes in with a TV and turns on the TV and you can just do whatever you want and get distracted. You know what I'm talking about? It's not that. What this is is this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to hear the Sermon on the Mount in one setting. If you want, to, I'm reading, I'm going to read from the CSB. If you want to follow along with a pen and underline stuff, if that's helpful for you, do that. If you want to sit there with your palms open on your lap in a receptive spirit, with your eyes closed and you want to pray along with it, do that. If you have a notebook and you want to write down a thought, a word, a phrase that comes to your mind, please do that. What this shouldn't be is this should not be passive. What this should be is this should be active. The reason I'm doing this is so that we can remind ourselves, what did Jesus say that I need to obey? How do we close the gap between what's described in the Sermon on the Mount and the Bible and the audacious claims and what's the lived reality and experience of our own lives? Obedience. What did Jesus say? 
Matthew chapter 5. When he saw the crowds, he, Jesus, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble or the meek, for they will be the ones to inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are you, those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are actually blessed when they insult you and when they persecute you and when they falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice, because your reward is great in heaven. That's exactly how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt's gonna lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's not good for anything anymore except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. Nobody's gonna light a lamp, put it under a basket, but rather they're gonna put it on a lampstand and it's gonna give light for all who are in the house. In the same way, just like that lamp, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I didn't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or a single stroke of the letter is going to pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, if any of you guys break the least of these commands and then you teach other to do the same, you're going to be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands is going to be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious elites, you're never gonna get into the kingdom of heaven. I know you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders is gonna be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anybody who's angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister, will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to hell. So if you're offering your gift on the altar or you're at the worship service and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, whether you're in the right or in the wrong, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go. Be reconciled with your brother or sister. Then come back and worship and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your opponent, with your adversary, while you're on the way with him to the court. Otherwise, here's what's gonna happen. Your adversary is gonna hand you to the judge, the judge is gonna hand you to the officer, and you're gonna be thrown into prison, and truly I tell you, you'll never get out of there until you have paid the last penny. I know you guys have heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, everybody who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away because it's better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into into hell. 
And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better, again, that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said this, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But I tell you, anybody who divorces his wife, except for the case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, I know you've heard it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all. Either by heaven, because it's God's throne, or by earth, because it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it's the city of the great king. Don't swear by your head, because you can't make a single hair white or black. Rather, here's what you do. You let your yes mean yes, and you let your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, all of them, and pray for everybody who persecutes you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Here's why. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward are you going to have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers and sisters and the people that you like, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be complete, therefore, as your heavenly Father is complete. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others in order to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have the reward. But when you give to the poor, when, don't let your left hand even know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you whenever you pray. You must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners in order to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, again, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles. They imagine that they're going to be heard for all their fancy words. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Therefore, when you pray, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and don't bring us into temptation. But God, save us, deliver us from the evil one. By the way, if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father is gonna forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your offenses. Moving on, whenever you fast, 
whenever you fast. Don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Again, truly I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. Get ready for the day so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This is where moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, the whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Okay, so if the light that is within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and your stuff. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry. Don't worry about your life. What what, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your body, what you're going to wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. Look, look at them. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single moment to your life by worrying? And why do you worry about your clothes? Think about the wildflowers of the fields. Observe how they grow. They don't labor, they don't spin thread, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like a single one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which by the way is is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do so much more for you? You have little faith. So don't worry saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear or how am I going to provide for myself for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. Here's what you do. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that you need is going to be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has, has enough trouble of its own. And do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure that you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but you don't know this the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, "Mm, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, take the beam of wood out of your eye, then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they're gonna trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek, keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking, receives. The one who keeps on seeking, finds. The one who keeps on knocking, the door is going to be opened. Who among you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven get good things to those who keep on asking him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is, the, this is everything. 
This is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction and many go through it. But how narrow, how narrow is the gate and difficult is the road that leads to life and very few find it. Be on your guard against false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing so they look like you but inwardly they are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. It's not possible. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. So every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you're going to recognize them by their fruit. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, a lot of people are gonna say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't we do many miracles in your name? Didn't we go to church in your name? Didn't we plant a church in your name? Then I'm gonna announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. So, everybody who hears what I'm saying and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and they pounded on that house, yet it didn't collapse. Why? Because its foundation was on the rock. But... Everybody who hears these words of mine, everything that I just said, and does not act on them, does not do them, no ifs, ands, or buts, they're gonna be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and it pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. This is our teacher. This is our sage, this is our prophet, this is our leader, this is our Lord, this is our king. Will you obey? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that your name would be glorified among us, your character, your presence, your person would be glorified among us. We ask that your kingdom, your rule, your reign would come, Lord Jesus in and through us. We ask that your will, your desire, it would be done. God, we ask all those things that it would start in our hearts, that you would stir in us an affection for you so that our lives would be honoring to your name. It would bring about your kingdom and it would bring about your will. We ask that for our individual selves. We ask that for this church, God. 
God, I ask that for this church, for Ankeny Gospel Church. God, I ask that your name would be honored in Ankeny Gospel Church. Your kingdom would come through Ankeny Gospel Church. Your will would be done in Ankeny Gospel Church so that we can say on earth as it is in heaven, in Ankeny as it is in heaven. Father, we ask that you would provide for us. You know our needs, God. You are in our hearts and our minds right now and everything that stresses us out about our provision and what's gonna happen, this, that, and the other, whatever, Lord, you know it. So God, give us what we need. Provide for us today. Father, we ask for your forgiveness. We have wronged others. We have wronged ourselves. We have wronged you. We have wronged our friends, our family, our loved ones. We have wronged people in this church. And so, God, I ask that in the same way that we forgive others, you would forgive us. And, God, as we go forward, don't, please, do not bring us into temptation. But, God, deliver us, rescue us, save us from evil the evil that is waiting, that is crouching, trying to devour us. God, deliver us. Father, we love you. We love your word. Jesus, we thank you for your work on the cross. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are stirring in us right now, teaching us right now, guiding us right now, convicting us right now. And we live in this posture of prayer. And we only pray through you, Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Pray this in your powerful name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we pray this was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments about what you heard, our email is info at or you can find us on social media at Gospel. Mm-hmm.